0: Welcome to AMBO TV. Each week we bring you dynamic sermons from next generation pastors from across the country. And as always, they're bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. And then we discuss those sermons right here in the studio. I'm Dean, got a little bit of the sniffles Windsor. And today we have an exciting show for you. We have sermons from Washington, Florida, and right here in New York. First up is Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. And his message is called what worship should be in this sermon he lays out three characteristics of worship it's subversive apocalyptic and ecstatic we'll be looking at two of those characteristics so you don't want to miss it next we go to cape christian church with pastor cindy grasso in cape Coral, florida and her sermon is part two in a series called the me i want to be she's giving us a powerful reminder of why we should put our trust in knowing that we are loved by God and that God is faithful and will do what he said. Lastly, we go to Northridge Church in Rochester, New York. Pastor Drew Karshner is still in their sermon series on signs with his message titled, A Sign Within You. This sermon is about the Holy Spirit and how it is our internal God. How awesome is that? He has some great wisdom on how to hear from the Holy Spirit and distinguish it from other things competing for your attention. Then I'll be joined by Pastor Tommy, aka Urban D, from our partnering church, Crossover in Tampa, Florida. You've seen him on the show a million times. Joining me via Skype. We'll get back to him a little later, but right now, let's go to Crossroads Community Church with Pastor Daniel Fusco. Worship should
1: be subversive. Now, I realize that the word subversive is not a word that people use every day. So I'm going to define it for you so you understand exactly what it means. The word subversive literally means a systematic attempt to overthrow or undermine a government or political system by persons working secretly from within. That doesn't that sound a little mission impossible. That sounds kind of cool, doesn't it? Now, I'm going to explain to why I'm saying that worship is, it should be subversive. Because if you notice, the, the disciples, the, these 35 ministry teams go on out, and they have all these experiences, and when they come back, they're full of joy. Now, why are they full of joy? Because they're serving the Lord. And the Bible says that we're more blessed to give than receive. And here's the, here's the thing, all of us are in ministry, whether we know it or not. Wherever you are, if you're there in the name of Jesus, that's your ministry. There's no such thing as we do ministry at Crossroads or in the church, and then for those people who work outside of the church, you're not in ministry. I don't believe that at all. I believe that if you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, guess what? You are in ministry. There's all, you, you not only serve your kids, there's all sorts of people that you meet and serve. If you are a student, guess what? You're getting an education, but you're actually in ministry because you are there in the name of Jesus as one of his kids if you work whatever your vocation might be guess what that's a ministry you're there in the name of jesus if indeed you're there in the name of jesus right so there's no such thing as ministry happens in the church and then what happens outside it that's, that's not ministry no all of its ministry right and for many of us the reason we don't have any joy in our life is we haven't grabbed hold of our lives as this is me serving jesus in this context Right? Now here's the thing. The reason worship is meant to be subversive is because you notice when they come back, the disciples are blown away because they say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. So they come back and they're like, Jesus, you'll never believe what happened. He's like, what? He's like, man, there were these, we were casting out demons. Now, how many of you think that that sounds like a lot of fun? A few of you. It's because you've never been involved in spiritual warfare. Every time I meet someone like, man, I want to see some spiritual warfare. I'm like, no, you don't, because <laughs> when you see it, it's not fun. It's scary. It's serious business. There, there's a there's a realm outside of the realms that we have a tendency to experience, and it's not playing around. But the disciples come back, and they had all these great ministry experiences. But you have to realize the fact that the demonic realm was placed under the authority of the followers of Jesus, that's subversive, because the Bible teaches that when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, Satan became the prince of the power of the air. And so really what it is, is what you see is that the people of God, if you are here today and you are a follower of Jesus, there is a system, there is a power structure that exists today, that when you and I choose to believe in Jesus and walk with Jesus and worship Jesus, we are actually undermining the predominant power structure of the day. And that power structure includes, involves governments and corporations and vast resources. And the beauty is, is we live in a day and age where you don't even realize how subversive our lives can be. Let me give you an example. If you're a student today, and you go into school. You know they banned prayer in schools. No, they didn't. They prayed formal prayers by everyone in school. But when a child, a student, believes in Jesus and goes into homeroom and bows their head and say, "Jesus, will you bless every person in this school?" You're subversive. The power structure says you can't, but you can. You might go to work, and your work may say, listen, we have a total tolerance policy, which is actually a really good thing in the workplace. Right? So when you decide to go to work ten minutes early, and you walk through the office, and you pray for not only everybody who works alongside of you, but everyone who's going to interact with your company, guess what? You're subversive. Right? Right? See, the beauty is, is that as a follower of Jesus, we are not called to subscribe to the power structures that are there. We are part of another kingdom. And when a person chooses to praise God, to live your life in such a way that makes much of Jesus, you are being subversive. And most of us don't think of worship that way. See, listen, if you read about The church as it's persecuted, which has a great history. It's going on right now, unfortunately. And I don't mean great in like a good way. Like there's so much history of the people of God being persecuted for their faith in Christ.
0: All right, there's Pastor Daniel Fusco. And joining me to help break down this particular sermon is Pastor Tommy, a.k.a. Urban D. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tommy.
2: Hey, what's up, man? Good to be with you all the way from Florida.
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, we've featured you and your sermons on the show so many times, and and you know, you're, you're just a joy to watch, and and we really are grateful that you could join us today. So I want to jump right in to Pastor Fusco's uh, sermon here, and he's talking about Christianity and being subversive in in our faith, um, and he's talking about you know th- these are really hardcore you know current issues right now, which is, you know, prayer being banned in school and, and things of that nature. So how would we go about being, you know, more subversive as Christians?
2: I love Pastor Fusco. Uh, I love the way that he says God. Yes. <laughs> it's super profound. I got to meet him at Saddleback Church a couple of years ago out there. We were hanging out with Rick Warren. And so I, I love what he was talking about with worship. Many times we just think worship is when we're singing in a worship experience at a church service, but worship is what we do all day, every day, as we're at our jobs, as we're at school, as we're in our neighborhood, as we're on our social media platforms, and we're representing Christ, we're being an ambassador. um, That's all worship, and people can can be affected and impacted by the way we live our life, the way we respond and react to different things. We can represent Him.
0: Yeah, so I, this is kind of like a common thread that, that we see here a, a lot in the show, and that is, you know, just being good representatives and ambassadors of God. So, so just being kind and people knowing that you're Christian and, and giving someone a smile, and and that's is that good enough? I mean,
2: at some moments it could be what God wants you to do in that moment. <laughs> um, but anytime, I believe it starts with relationships. So it might start with that smile. You know, it might start with a comment, might start with you serving someone in some way. And then many times that begins to build a bridge and then trust is built and the relationship can start to go from there. Then as they begin to watch you and opportunities come up and the Holy Spirit gives you discernment of uh, when to drop those nuggets and gems and begin to present the gospel and share why you live the way that you do, um, God shows up and uh, begins to work in their heart.
0: All right. I love the explanation. And we're going to go ahead and take a really quick commercial break. But we'll be right back with more AMBO TV and Pastor Tommy. Welcome back to AMBO TV, where we bring you next generation pastors from across the country. Before the commercial break, we were checking out Pastor Daniel Fusco. But right now, I want to get to Pastor Cindy Grasso in Cape Coral, Florida. Let's check her out.
3: He says, stop working for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him, God the Father has placed His seal of approval. I love that. Because he's like, don't work for temporary, work for eternal, which I want to give you. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the work God requires? What must we do to do the works God requires? And I read this and I was like, this has been in here the whole time. How did I not see this? Like, I've been reading this this whole time. I ask this for God all the time. What do I need to do for you? What do you want me to do? Tell me what my next thing is. Where do you want me to serve you? I am an achiever. I am a a list maker. I like to check things off. So I, like, found this about a month ago, and I was like, this is fantastic. Let's see what he says. What must we do to do the work God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this. To believe in the one he has sent. The work of God is to believe in the one he has sent. First of all, all, he doesn't say that the work is to do anything. Your first work in your relationship with God is to believe him. To believe in him. Now, believe to me is a really bland word. And in English, we believe, you know, that English word, we believe in a lot of things. I believe that Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player in the history of the game. I do, I believe that. Thank you. But it doesn't change my life, and it doesn't impact my life. I believe that chocolate is an appropriate answer to any problem, (laughs) right? It, It doesn't really make it true or wise. What does believe mean? So I wanna know what Jesus said when he meant believe. And like I said, when I was about 19, 20 years old, I asked questions like, what are you talking about when you say this word? And I was given some great advice, which is to go to other versions of the Bible, my favorite being the Amplified. Because what the Amplified does is it takes the original language and it amplifies it and it gives you what it means, what it actually means that helps me understand, because English can be bland. This is the Amplified Version of John 6, 28 and 29. Then they asked him, what are we to do so that we may habitually be doing the works of God? Jesus answered, this is the work of God that you believe, which means adhere to, trust in, rely on, and have faith. This is the work that God's given you and me to do. To adhere to like duct tape. Just whoosh, trust in, rely on, and have faith. I remember the first time I read that, and I thought, oh, that's going to be a problem for me. <laughs> like he's saying, I need to trust in him. I need to adhere to him. I need to rely on him. I don't like to rely on anybody. He says, "Rely. you can rely on me. So now every time I read that word believe, I hear the echo in my heart say, Adhere to, trust in, rely on, and have faith. That's what Jesus means.
0: So the works of God here and doing the works of God, it's basically, Pastor Cindy Grasso was saying, it's just to have faith in Jesus, correct? Is this like the only thing we have to do in order to be doing the works of God?
2: Well, I think it goes a little bit deeper when she was breaking down what believe means, because... Even at my church, there's lots of people that will raise their hand and say, I believe, and they'll pray a prayer. But do you really, like, authentically believe? Do you rely on? Do you adhere to? Do you trust in? And if you do, you're going to begin to make changes in your life, the way you make decisions. And if you're really trusting in God, your life is going to begin to look a lot different. And that's what Jesus wants.
0: So now some of us may stumble. I know I do. Um, It's not always the easiest thing to completely and totally, you know, trust. Whenever a problem happens immediately, a lot of us, including myself, we don't think it, we're not thinking, well, God's going to handle this for me. So what would you say to somebody is a good way to practice just relying on God, you know, to, to help you through life?
2: Yeah, I totally agree. One of the things I try to do is when I have a tough situation in front of me, And I'm like, ah, what am I going to do now? Uh, I try to remind myself of what God's already done before, because Mm -hmm. God has been there so many different times, got me out of so many different jams. He's done miracles, supernatural things have happened. And many times what I'm facing in front of me right now in this moment might be way smaller than that. I'm like, wait a minute. This is exactly some of the stuff that the disciples, when they doubted. And when we read the scripture, we're mad at them. Like, how could you doubt? We do the same stuff sometimes. We got to remind ourselves what God has already done, and he'll do it again.
0: Absolutely. I love that. And you're right, too. Like, when when I read um, even Exodus, and, and I get upset, I'm like, how could you? You saw the miracles happen. You saw... And you're still questioning, still complaining. So, well, we're going to get back to Pastor Cindy Grasso, excuse me, uh, in a little bit. But right now, I want to get to Pastor Drew Karshner in Rochester, New York, and uh, let him start up his sermon. Let's check him out.
4: And we're going to continue the conversation with the third major filter that God uses in our lives. It's the filter of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is God as is one person in a trinity. He's one God, but he displays himself in three people or three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we believe God has given us his spirit to guide and navigate us through life when every decision that we face. And so we're going to discover that together this morning. But before we dive too deep into the details of how the Holy Spirit plays a role, an active role in every decision that we make, I think there's some things we have to understand from the big picture of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is kind of fuzzy to us. In the church world, you know, you can go from church here to church there to church there and we all kind of have similar but different beliefs on how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And so the role of the Spirit playing in my life is difficult to understand, and I want to give you two reasons why as we start. The first one, our interpretation of His voice can be subjective. I mean, we know this to be true. Like, every once in a while, we'll turn on the news or we'll read it, and we'll realize that someone does something horrific, and one of their excuses is God told them to do it. And you're like, what? What? Because the voice of the Holy Spirit for all of us at different phases of life and different personalities can be subjective. At at times, we can try to make the Spirit say what we want Him to say and then ultimately blame Him. And what's interesting is when you look at Christians, good Christians, godly Christians, you even look at our church staff, we all have slightly different interpretations of how the Spirit works in our lives, and sometimes it's personality related. Let me... They're really, in, in, in our audience today, at our campuses and online, there's probably two, two categories of people. Some of you are what I would call thinkers, or you look at life through the lens of logic. And when it comes to the Spirit, what we like to do, it's not a healthy way to view the Spirit, is we like to take the Spirit and put them in our box of logic. And ultimately, what that leads us to believe is we don't really need the Spirit because I've thought through every detail. I know everything. I have a spreadsheet. And so, like, hey, I, I've already thought about this, so I don't really need the Spirit. But then there's a bunch of us who are feelers, and we look at life through the lens of our feelings, and so we believe the Spirit's in everything because we feel it. (laughs) And you have two types of godly people that look at the Holy Spirit completely different, and they hear His voice differently because it's subjective. And today we want to take that subjectivity and make it a little bit clearer for you. But the second thing we have to understand about what's hard to to understand about the Spirit is the Spirit comes with a prerequisite. The Spirit of God comes with a prerequisite. It's unlike the first two filters that we talked about in in our decision-making process. Because the filter of people, we all have people in our lives. We have family, we have friends, we have coworkers, ultimately people who we can bounce our decisions off, get advice from, and so we have access to that. You think about the filter of God's Word. We all have access to God's Word. All you have to do today, take out your smartphone, download the Bible app, and you have every version of the Bible in your hands accessible to you. But here's the unique thing about the Holy Spirit, is not every single one of us has access to Him, because the Spirit of God only lives within believers. The Spirit of God, the only people who have access to fully God living inside of them are the people who have said yes to Jesus, who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ.
0: Okay, Pastor Tom, you got to help me out with this one here because Pastor Drew is saying something that I haven't heard of before. And, and I mean, to go along with what he's saying, he, he's saying that everybody has their own kind of opinion about how the Holy Spirit works, can, and works. And he's saying... God, you know, doesn't necessarily live in everyone, but I was under the uh, assumption that God does live in everyone. So can you help kind of clear this up a little bit?
2: Yeah, so God can speak to everyone. Absolutely. I know for me, before I was really following Jesus, there were some seasons in my life, I was a knucklehead and God would still speak to me. I could hear his voice. He was drawing me to him. Right. But you know, like like Pastor Drew just said here, when you start a relationship with Jesus, then the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He helps you make decisions. Um, he's there for you. You can listen to his voice all day, every day. So believers, um, we're the ones that have the Holy Spirit living in us. And then he can guide and direct our everyday life. People that don't have a relationship with Jesus, Jesus isn't living in them yet. <laughs>
0: All right, so it's kind of like we're activating, like in order to activate that that Holy Spirit and, and to get it really working in your life, you, you have to, you know, participate and you kind of have to, you know, worship and, and live the way we're supposed to live.
2: Yeah, like Pastor Cindy even said in the last one, you have to believe. And if you really believe and you are adhering to the Lord, you're relying on Him, you're trusting in him you're inviting him to be the leader of your life or the lord of your life then he comes in and the holy spirit's living inside of you when he's living inside of you man when you step into the room like he's with you you can have confidence and you can shift the atmosphere wherever you go because god's spirit is in you and he can move through you
0: all right man that's a great explanation and on that we're gonna go ahead and take another break but we'll be right back with more pastor tommy and ambo tv Welcome back to AMBO TV, bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. Before our break, we were checking out Pastor Drew Karshner, but right now, I want to get back to Pastor Daniel Fusco. Let's go ahead.
1: We learn here that worship should be ecstatic. Should be ecstatic. That word literally means filled with gratitude, overwhelming happiness, joyful excitement. Worship ultimately should be exuberant for two reasons. Notice first, notice what Jesus says. He turns to his disciples and he says, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. You and I live in the most extraordinary place of blessedness because our eyes see things that other people don't get to see. You wake up in the morning and you don't think to yourself, it is super cool that through 20 billion years of random chance adjustments, the sun comes up and goes down. You look at the sun and you say, God made that. And I'm so grateful that it's just in the right spot so we don't either freeze to death or burn up. Right? Like, your eyes see that. Your eyes, you look at something that's going wrong and you think to yourself, my God can redeem even this. Your eyes see things that are the most glorious. And for some of us, we've been in Christ so long, we forget what a blessed place wherein God has given us the goggles of His Holy Spirit. And we are blessed beyond measure. And not only because we're blessed, but also we can worship in an ecstatic way because of the uniqueness of our position. I get that, of course, in verse 24. I tell you, many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see, but they didn't see it. He's like, man, King David, David wished he could be on this side of the cross. Prophets, the prophet Isaiah, doesn't get to see the things that we see. Even John the Baptist, the least in the kingdom is greater. Maybe like minor prophets, you're you're in a better place than Malachi, Zephaniah, Haggai, definitely doing better than Jonah, amen. So because of all of this, our worship should be ecstatic. And, and, And when I think about ecstatic worship, I always think about 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 14 to 22 you can read in your own time it's the story of when the ark of the covenant was coming into jerusalem and david at the time was the king and david was so excited he was so excited that as the ark is coming in david is literally in his underoos he's he's in his loincloth and he is dancing before the lord And as this is happening, as the Ark of the Covenant is coming in, and David is just praising God, doesn't he? He's not even worried about everyone there. There's so much joy, except David's wife is watching him, and she's resenting him in her heart. She's watching this king, just overwhelmed with who the Lord is, right? And she's judging him, and then, David, there was all the sacrifices and worship, and then it says, that everyone went to their own house to praise God. So everyone was going home to praise God with their family, that the fact that the Ark of the Covenant is now in Jerusalem, and God is doing a work, and sure enough, when David gets home, his wife says, ha ha ha, the king made a fool of himself today. So she says. She's like, I did not like your tweet today, David. It's not kingly, right? It's like, it's like he's getting in trouble. Right, and then David says to her you haven't even seen me be undignified yet (laughs) that's what he says he's like you think I was undignified then wait till you see what happens next and then he said and I don't recommend this you husbands he said and don't forget God chose me to be king instead of your dad so listen don't say that they need an intervention at that point it's no good even though it's true You know god showed because michael's dad michael's dad was saul but you know what i loved about it instead of being so worried about what everyone said david just praised
0: all right so pastor daniel is talking about being ecstatic in our faith and um maybe people shy away from this you know they, they don't like to openly praise or they don't want to you know get up and dance and and you know, kind of show everyone around them, you know, how happy they are that they're filled with the spirit. What would you say to somebody that just kind of subdues himself because they rather look cool than, you know, show everyone the joy?
2: Yeah, I know everybody has their own personality. I get that. So maybe some people are not as expressive as others, but I love in this passage, like David, he wasn't sensitive like our culture is and like people are so much. Like he didn't care what other people thought or even what his wife thought he was like, man, I'm gonna go all out and mm. praise God if people think I'm a little crazy Like it is what it is because they're not the audience. He's the audience
0: All right, exactly so it's but but it's okay though, right? If it's not your thing to, to dance around or whatever it, it that's cool But still if you feel like it you should feel comfortable doing it
2: yeah, yeah. Some people are rhythmically challenged. You know, they might, not, they might have not have the moves or whatever. Um, but everybody worships in different ways. And so for some people, that might be physically dancing and praising. Other people, it, it might be through conversation. It might be through writing. It might be through creating, you know, some way that they can praise God and represent that other people can actually see and they can observe and say, wow. And some people might not get it. Um, but many times people do get it and they say, man, I want what that person has. Like they're always just so happy and they have this joy, even though what's happening may not always be great, but they have this joy and I need
0: some of that. That's it right there. All right, let's go ahead and jump right back to Pastor Cindy Grasso and let her wrap up her sermon. In Luke eighteen
3: thirty-one through 32, this is the third time just in Luke that he has predicted his death and resurrection, this is before he even went to Jerusalem, and he was just letting his disciples know, hey, I need to let you know what's going on, because see, all these people want me to do a revolution here. I want to do a revolution that will last for all eternity. So let me tell you, this is what's going to happen. Jesus took the 12 aside and, and said to them, we are going up to Jerusalem. Everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They will flog him, and they will kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. He says, I just need to let you know. And this was in Luke the third time that he had predicted his death and resurrection. I love it. I love how Andy Stanley says it. He says, if a man can predict his death and resurrection and pull it off, I just go with whatever that man says. Right? Come on. You can trust Jesus because he did what he said he was going to do. So you can trust him to do what he says he's gonna do in the future. Yes. And here's the thing. Jesus is not somebody who just, he's not a good man who did some miraculous things. I don't put my trust, I don't believe, adhere to, trust in, rely on, and have faith in a prophet who died. I have faith in Jesus who rose from the dead and is at the right hand of God right now. He is my living savior. He is my living Lord. And because of that, because I can say you did what you say you were going to do, and what you said you were going to do was pretty amazing. I can trust you with to do what you say you're going to do with my life, with my eternity. I can believe in you. I remember that um, about three years into our marriage, I was just—I struggling so much because I just wanted to have a baby. It was a desire God put in my heart, and I just wanted to have it. And nothing, it was not working, it wasn't happening, and all my friends were having babies, you know? It's like one of those things where, you know, if, I, if one more of my friends comes to me and says, I'm pregnant, and we weren't even trying. I was like, Ugh. I was in this really discouraged place and wondering what was going on, and I was in a night of worship, and I was worshiping God, And I remember the moment that he gave me this picture. He gave me this vision. And it was me holding a baby in my arms. And my Bobby, my husband's arms, wrapped around me, and then God's arms wrapped around us. And then we were surrounded. And it was a golden and white vision that just caused a little bit of hope to rise. Now it wasn't until about two and a half years later that I found myself in a place in my life where I really kind of felt like God had forgotten us. We were in between jobs. We didn't know what our next step was gonna be. We were living in Bobby's grandma's garage, and I got pregnant. Okay? yes. And God said to me, do I not speak and not act? Do I not promise and fulfill? I know you feel like right now you may, I may have forgotten you and I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm fulfilling this problem, promise that's gonna grow inside of you so you know that I will take care of you. I will provide.
0: Alright, Pastor Tommy, uh I, I just need to find out about this night of worship. This is the first time I've ever heard about it. So I was wondering if maybe you could help me out and w- explain what a night of worship could be for someone. And because it obviously gave Pastor Cindy a lot of hope.
2: Yeah, so a night of worship, uh, I mean, a lot of churches do them. It could be a night where everybody gets together and there's just worship. But don't get stuck on that because you might say, well my church doesn't have a night of worship coming up or i can't wait for the next one or there's not one you know that we do currently you can have a night of worship yourself where you can just get alone in god's presence and god can speak to you where you carve out that time that's what a night of worship is where you carve out that time and you say intentionally i'm going to worship god in this in this time frame right now and just totally focus on him that could be in your prayer closet that could be at home That could be an actual church service, um, but you can have a night of worship tonight.
0: All right. I love it. That's right. Have your night of worship tonight. Don't wait for it. And we're going to be right back with more AMBO TV. Welcome back to AMBO TV, home of Next Generation Pastors. Before we took the break, we were checking out Pastor Cindy Grasso, but right now, I want to get back to Pastor Drew Karshner in Rochester, New York.
4: How do we navigate these three things? Because there's a lot of them. Like, okay, man, God's Word, I got I to read God's Word, I got to ask people for help, and, and I got to listen to the Spirit. That can get a lot, like, overwhelming. And so my question this morning is, how do all three of these three things work in unity, in unison, for us, when we make decisions, and I think these three things give us a window into God's will, and so I want to show you how God uses these three things in our lives. So here's what we've learned in in, in this series. Many of you, you have questions. You, 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 you're like, God, what do you want for me? And here's what we've learned. We've learned the first place to go in any decision that you're going to make. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you have a decision to make and you want to know what God wants for you, we all know the first place to go, it's God's word. This is the, the framework for every decision that we make. It's, it's God's word. And so if you've got a decision to make and you haven't checked your user's manual, like, come on. This is the first place we go, and, and this should be a natural rhythm in our life. I don't know what to do. Man, I'm gonna read my Bible. You'd be amazed at how good you are at making decisions if you'd actually just spend time in God's word because it, it's my user's manual in life. But then out of that framework, I know I'm gonna now listen to my guide. So I have a guide. So. I have a map in life, and now not only do I have a map, but I've got a voice that speaks to me. It's kind of like the map and navigation app, right? Like there's a light to my path, and now there's a guide to, to take me where I need to go. And so the question is, are you listening to the nudgings and hearing the rebukes? But then third, we've got God's people. I've got friends in my life that when, man, I've checked God's word, I've listened to his spirit, now I'm going to get wise counsel from godly people to find the right path. You need the right people in your life to find God's path in your life. So we know this. i got a decision to make. And so here's where I go, but here's how most of us feel. Is all of us have decisions, Right? So life is full of decisions, and here's what's hard is I have no clue what to do. Like there's enough pressure on, on trying to do what's best for my family, what's best for my business, what's best for my future, what's best for my job, what's best for my finances, like that's enough pressure in the decision-making process, and then you add in pleasing God, and here's what I find myself in every decision, guessing, hoping, like God, I want to do what is right, I just don't know what it is. (laughs) And let's face it, none of us get around this. Every single one of us, whether you're watching online or you're at one of our campuses, every single one of us in life has to make decisions. And it's not just one area of our life, you know, for some of you today, it's money. Like you got decisions that deal with money. Do I have enough to retire? Should I buy this house or should I not? Should I save or should I spend? Where should I invest and where shouldn't I? And and so that's stressful enough. But then you throw your kids into the mix. Right, I got decisions to make for my kids and so it's like, okay, what school do I send them to? Do I send them to a private school or a public school? Like, should I homeschool them and protect them or should I send them into the world? Like, I don't know, what should I do? And then we got family issues, right? Like, man, my family's falling apart and I, 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 like, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know how to act around certain family members or like, man, my parents won't talk to me and I, I don't know how to respond to that. Should I go after them? Should I give them space? Oh, and, and then there's dating, right? So, man, I'm so glad I'm not dating right now. I gotta find the right person. <laughs> And there's all these guys and these girls, and God, I just want the one you have for me. Just, just just, shine a light on them. I don't know who they are, and like, I don't know how to date, and what's right to date. And then, man, there's my future. Right? So, God, I got this list of colleges I should go to. What do you want? Oh, my job. Like, man... Uh, should I stay in that company or should I go to this new one it's a little more pay but it's more travel I I don't know what to choose God oh and then let's let's just throw in jobs here for a second because man my boss is a total jerk God you know it you think he's a jerk God (laughs) but I don't know what to do like am I supposed to witness to this guy and invite him to church I just want to choke him but uh, do you want me to stay or not You know what this leads to? Stress, problems in our marriage, and we all have good intentions. God, I want to get it right. I want to please you, but I have no clue what to do. And that's why this series is so relevant, because we all feel that. No one's void of it. I wish we were. I wish I was. I wish my life didn't find itself here sometimes. It would be such a blessing. But we all find ourselves here. Now what do I do? And I think God looks down on us, and we're trying to locate God's will, and I think God says, hey, just like my keys, I've given you everything you need to get there. Problem is, we focus on making the right decision, and God is saying, actually, if you would learn to just shift this over here, If you just learn, no matter what it is, your kids, your money, your job, your future, your dating, if you would just learn to start with my word and my spirit and then go to my people, you'd be amazed that you'd probably know what I want.
0: All right, I'm just going to jump right in and say that I totally feel Pastor Drew when he talks about he's glad he's not dating right now. I say that, my wife and I say that constantly to each other, like, oh, thank God we don't have to date right now. So, uh, yeah, be, being married is a lovely thing, I you know, but these are the, the struggles that people deal with every, exactly, see, you know it. I we, You know, it's just the constant daily struggles, and, and you feel overwhelmed and bogged down, and, you know, just turning to God seems so easy, you know, it, but it's not for some people. So, this kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier, about, you know, just having faith and just believing and just... You know, so if somebody comes to you as the pastor of your church, as the head of your church, and they say, Pastor, I'm just feeling overwhelmed by life right now, by all of these things that I have to deal with, you know, what is your go-to thing to kind of coach them through it?
2: Yeah, I love I love Pastor Drew's illustration with the window. Uh, pastor Drew, I'm, I'm going to use that. I'm going to steal. <laughs> and really just kind of laying it out like that. Like, yeah, you want to send people to God's word send people to, you know, pray about it, find out what God's spirit is going to say to them, and then also to get God the counsel. Uh, but one thing I say many times when people come to me, many times people skip those first two, right? Mm-hmm. And they just want to come to God's people. So they'll come to me as the pastor, they'll come to their friend and be like, what do you think I should do? And be like, well, have you prayed about it? Mm-hmm. Have you asked God? Have you spent some time in his word? And many times the answer is, well, not really. They just want a quick answer. And it's almost like they wanna go to Google and find out. Uh, Like man, put in the work, spend some time in God's presence and God's gonna begin to help you. Cause we all get overwhelmed, life gets crazy and there's lots of decisions that hit us every day and stress that hits us every day. But man, that's why we gotta have that daily time In God's presence the first thing I do when I get up in the morning before I was on this interview a little earlier this morning I was in my prayer closet we gotta carve out that time to get our day started and listen to God's voice before anybody else's voice
0: all right there you have it from pastor Tommy if if you're really feeling bogged down by life turn to the word first before you start asking around don't look for a cheat sheet there's no cheat codes you yeah. can't Google it, you just gotta pray on it and then you take your faith walk. We're gonna be right back with more AMBO TV.
1: And what I'll tell you is that when you decide that your life is gonna be a life of worship, there's be some people who think that you're undignified. There's going to be some people who think that you're just not supposed to do it that way. And guess what? Who cares?
0: All right, Pastor Tommy, what we like to do at the end of every show is ask our guests to give us a scripture that kind of ties into the clip that we just watched so, you know, myself and the folks at home can kind of study up a little bit.
2: All right, so Daniel Fuskill was, was talking about worship and the verse that kind of comes to my mind first off is, is Romans 12. And I love the way that the Message Bible breaks it down. It says it like this, verse one, it says, so here's what I want you to do with God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. And so whatever you do in life, place it before God as an offering, let him use you. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks, represent him.
0: All right. I love it. That is amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Pastor Tommy. And I can't wait to have you back on the show when you come to New York. It's going to be a blast. Yeah. All right, awesome. And to our partnering churches, Crossroad Community Church with Pastor Daniel Fusco, Cape Christian Church with Pastor Cindy Grasso, and Northridge Church with Pastor Drew Karshner. Thank you for those powerful messages. Please keep them coming. And to see the complete sermons and other great sermons, head over to ambotv.com. We always have great content there for you guys. You can sign up for our daily newsletter. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe today. Thank you guys for watching. Good night, and I'm going to see you next week.